a good day to you all. A happy Labor Day to you all on this September the 6th, 2021. This is the Friendship News Hour presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. His name is Alex. My name is Frank. What's up, man? What is up, man? Ah, I feel like I'm in the midst of a warm embrace <laughs> with your love. It's been so long. How are you? I know, man. Why are we got to be so busy? It's not fair. So busy, dude. So man. busy. Crazy. Moving around. But busy's good, I guess. Uh, I'm good, man. We just uh, had my mom in town this weekend, celebrated her birthday. She turned 57 oh, years nice. young. Yeah. Happy birthday, Sue. Happy birthday to Sue. Life's good, man. Just chilling. Waiting for this baby to come. Put together mm. a baby registry, which is always fun. Oh, nice. Because <laughs> I have no idea what we need. <laughs> it's like, you know, well, my, we my favorite thing about buying uh, new parents' gifts. I never pick from the registry. Just, uh, I feel you. Yeah, yeah I feel you. <laughs> My idea is better than yours of what you need. For you. No, no, I like to get. I like to get um, sentimental stuff. You know, like cool things. Uh, yeah. Especially if it's like close friends or family, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I did buy my sister a baby Bjorn, which I thought would be like one of the most useful gifts you can give a new parent. Yeah. You know, nice little carrier. For did she kid. use it? Did she like it? Uh, yeah. I mean, well enough to like send me pictures of her using it. So maybe she just did it once. Uh, that's just to make so it feel I didn't good. feel like shit and yeah. never use it again. No, I, I'm sure <laughs> she did. I mean, I, that's gotta be like the best functionality ever to like yeah. carry a kid around while you do your thing. Yeah. Right. I could see you as like a, a, like a baby breasted man. Think so? Just I like can... playing COD or doing whatever, <laughs> putting with a baby on your chest. That would be hard. Oh, Throw around the back. That'd be really hard. Yeah, I could not swing. I could putt. I could putt with a baby. I feel like. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what were you up to? Ah uh, man, dude, so much happened this past week. I'll, I'll run it down for you so you just get an idea of what the hell I've been up to. So, I had a, a conference that I had to go to last week in in Long Beach. It was the Advanced Clean Transportation conference in Long Beach. Mm. And then in the middle of that conference, I had to fly to Sacramento for a day for this walkthrough at a site that we're trying to install some EV chargers at. So that came back from Sacramento Tuesday night. And then I was in Long Beach Wednesday until Thursday afternoon. And then Friday through right now, I have been moving. Jesus. Yeah, dude. So it's just been like, the highlight of my week was that clean my garage. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> a little bit different. That's always pace. great, though, man. <laughs> that's always di- that's always fun to get organized to get that you know. Oh, I feel clean, great about it, bro. Beautiful yeah, full organized garage. Yeah. So the people before us, like, I guess at the time it was probably a good idea for them, but when they tore out all the, they redid the kitchen and they tore out all the cabinets, and they're like, you know, this is gonna be a great idea. We'll put them in the garage and use it for storage. And as great of an idea as, as that you sounds, might. as you might, yeah, but. Basically, all it ended up being is just like a place for spiders to live and like underused space. Mm. So I said, fuck it, pulling them out, going to Costco. They got these sick ass, just like big ass, uh, like welded racks, like four level racks. And we're getting two of those and we're putting those bitches in. And and now we can park our car in the garage because the cabinets came out so far. We couldn't even use the garage for our cars. So it's like, (laughs) what's the point? Damn. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Although, I don't know. If I had a garage, I would probably not want to park my car in it. You don't live in the Midwest, though, so this is correct <laughs> anymore. This is correct. Anyway. <laughs> Thank but, God. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, yeah. So there weren't 
there weren't many surprises. Like, I don't know, when you move into a new place, like you go and you look at it and there's not, you don't have a ton of time to like inspect everything. You know, you're just looking mm-hmm. around, you get the lay of the land and you're like, yeah, I like it. And in almost every place that I've moved into, there's been like some sort of like surprise. Some like, oh, something that I didn't know that was going to be there that was there. Right. The last place I stayed in, there was only one electrical outlet in, my, in the bedroom that I stayed in. One. Mm. The entire That's room. rough. That's and rough. It rough, dude. The house is built in 1924. I guess they never decided to upgrade the electricity. And you need butt plug chargers like no other, so. <laughs> right. So I get in this place, and there's no surprises until mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm putting stuff away in a cabinet in the kitchen, and I see a roach trap. Ah, no. And there's no, the only thing worse than finding a roach is finding a roach trap because you know that there's roaches about. It's an identified problem, right? To put the trap. (laughs) So I'm like, God bless. Ah. And, um, sure enough, I get, I get back. I'm like making trips to go move stuff and I get back and I'm carrying a bunch of stuff in and I had an open six pack case and one of the beers fell out and rolled under the entertainment center and I go to like take a broomstick to no, move it out from no. underneath and out comes a dead roach and I'm just like, uh, fuck. Oh, no. I hate roaches, man. So did you contact the landlord obviously right away? Well, no. What am I going to say? Hey, thanks for the heads up. Like I, 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 I use these things. I'm not terribly worried about it. I use these things you can plug into the wall and they, they emit this like sonic radiation. I've, I've used those for mice before. Yeah. Yeah. They work great. They work for, uh, fleas. Hmm. Okay. I had fleas once put that out. Fleas gone. Ants do perfect for ants. I used to get ants all the time. My old place. And I put those in no ants. Really? Not. Yeah, it was great. So I'm going to buy like three or four of those and just stick them around and yeah, make I, my place a, a sonic hell for pests. If those don't work, you could just get a bunch of like crystals and like moon rocks and just put them around the perimeter. That probably would be the next best step. Mm. I'll probably <laughs> skip that step and then go to <laughs> deathly chemicals <laughs> for roaches. Dude, oh, I could not. Does Jack know about that yet? Yeah, for, it was like one of the first things I said. I was like, yeah. This she can, was, was she be spending the evening there ever? Um, she was actually the one that found the dead roach. So, oh, uh, no. Okay. And she's the one that picked it up. Really? Cool. What a badass. Yeah. Oh, nice. So I was like, ah, it's dead. I'll pick it up when I'm done with my, my taco. <laughs> and so like, <laughs> I see her get up and she's like, yeah, no. We're taking care of this. We're out. So you like having your own spot again, though? Because I know you're living, what, with the brother for a minute? Yeah, I was living, I was living with, uh, with old Steven. And, uh, oh, he had like a little studio converted into a girl. I was only there for like six weeks, yeah. uh, but it was cool, man. It was cool. Actually cool to be back with my brother. You know, I don't see him all, a whole lot. And admittedly, he's not like the most stimulating uh, of company. He just likes <laughs> to sit around and play video games. I mean, he's been the same guy his whole life, but it was cool to hang out with him, you know, chat with him, whatever, yeah. uh, share beer. What's his video game of choice? Oh, uh, he, he just, he loves, uh, like uh, role, role playing What's it called? Like Final Fantasy? I never played uh, that shit. So okay. I couldn't even begin to talk about it. I remember going into his uh, living room one day. He's playing his game, and I'm asking him about it. And he was like, he was like, telling me about this game. He's like surrounded by this clan of like a wizard or something, a something, and a something. And he's telling me what he has to do. 
And he goes, he goes, I know this sounds ridiculous, but it actually scratches a very niche itch for me. And I was just like, whatever, man, whatever floats your boat. Like, we couldn't be like more separative uh, just, of like yeah. personalities, but he's a smart dude. And it's fun to have, to have chats with him. But yeah, I was staying with him and yeah, it's cool. It's cool to have them in place. The, my background is the, the neighborhood I live in. I don't have this view. Obviously I'm probably like right there. Okay. Uh, but where this picture is taken from is this little park on a hill called Grant Hill Park. And it looks, you, you can, if you look in this way, you see a Coronado Bridge. If you look to the right, you see downtown. We were up there the other night. The Padres are playing. The lights are right. I'm like a 20-minute walk from Petco Park. Nice. Shit. And you're probably like a 5-10 minute drive from Balboa Park too, right? Or not Balboa Park. Oh, uh, Coronado, yeah. the golf. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, I played there man. today, actually. Did you? Uh, nice. Yeah. It was an exactly a nine-minute drive wonderful oh that's perfect yeah yeah it's wonderful so uh well congrats yeah, to man. your padres cool. for taking a series yesterday <sighs> finally man half game <laughs> up in the wild card uh, 22 games 23 games left something like that and we have the second hardest schedule by team's record for the last month in all of baseball um which we'll probably do all right and we had the like the easiest schedule in Oct- on August, and we were just shit. We shit the bed. Like oh, man. everybody was slumping. It was terrible. It was tough to watch. Um, Good we'll test see. before the playoffs. <sighs> yeah, a month left. Uh, two of the best teams in the league are in our division, so that's not going to get any easier. We get in, and we'll probably have to play one of those teams just to advance. So. So you guys are probably in the hardest division, as I understand the baseballs. Hundred percent. I mean, the AL East is pretty tough. There's three pretty good teams in the AL East too, uh, the the Rays, the the Red Sox, and the Yankees. But no, for sure the NL West this year, particularly in like the beginning and middle part of the year, when our pitching wasn't just terrible, we were for sure the toughest division. But we'll see, man. I was told you got to see a couple of Padres yesterday, out and about. Oh yeah, man. Uh, I went to the Theo Vaughn show. Uh, and we get there and we're sitting down, and um, at, this is at the uh, the comedy store in La Jolla. And we sit down and Michael is looking right behind me and he goes, all right, look who's here. I look over and sure enough, Joe Musgrove, uh, Adam Frazier and uh, Mike Clevenger all showed up to the show. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It was a fucking fantastic show, man. I got put on to two new comedians that just like lit it up. Bro, it was crazy. Who's that? Um, I got to find their names to shout them out because they were really awesome. The one, the first one, there was like two openers and they were ass. And then the first scheduled act was this girl by the name of Brittany Schmidt, I believe. Um, And of the comedians that were there that night, she was 100% the most polished and had Mm. the most impressive set. More so than Theo? Oh yeah, dude. Theo just goes up there and just like is just all over the place. He's hilarious. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But he just talks. It's like a fast paced, the like last, what's his podcast name? Last week. This last week. This past weekend or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I forget what it is, but it's just like that. He's just going up there and he's riffing and he has jokes and a lot of them were hilarious, but he's just up there just like doing his thing. This girl went up there 
and had a set from front to back. She knew what she was doing. Her timing was like execution was just like lethal. Yeah, love that. Love that. Oh yeah, dude. Blew everybody away. She was fucking hilarious. And then this other guy came up. Let me find his name. His name is Ari. It's not Ari Shafir, but it's Ari Manis. And he went up and he was great, like really good, super edgy material, Um, like pretty offensive, but also like hilarious, you know. Um, And then Theo came up and he was he was good as well. Um, I, I would say of the three, Theo was like the least polished, like the least uh, yeah. professional comedian about it, but uh, he was pretty funny too. Man, it's the, I love stand-up comedy, man. There's something to be said. And like I love watching it on TV specials, like all that kind of stuff, but there's something to be said for being in that room, man, and like the energy that, that's mm-hmm. like in those spaces is insane. And like stuff that I would watch later that is probably like, huh, like I chuckle at, you know, like right. when you're there, you're like cracking up. I, like when, when they're real good comedians, man, like we just went to uh comedy cellar when we were in, in New York a couple weeks ago. Oh, cool. Yeah. I went out there. Uh, cause the name that pulled me in was Mark Norman. He was out there and I'm a oh, big yeah, he's fan. He's going to be in San Diego next weekend. I think go see that's, him. Yeah. Highly recommend. He's very funny. Very funny. And normally he's like more, clean cut you know not so not not super crazy but like this set was super raunchy so i don't know if he's kind of trying to divulge that way a little bit or what but he was hilarious but like as a result we went and saw this dude named will sylvans which he's a popular new york guy i guess and then we just stumbled into some other random people like yours in the same kind of way like really polished like pros man feel like they're about to come up it was this girl uh caitlin palufo uh, this dude named Danny Cohen and this other dude named Ryan Hamilton, all killers. Oh, nice. Um, check them out. But yeah, there's just, I love stand up comedy, man. I don't, I just like laughing. I'll pay for drinks all day if I get to go there and just like laugh my ass off. Yeah, man. A hundred percent. I agree with you. And it's funny because like, I also love stand up comedy. And I've been listening to stand up comedy. My first job, I was 15 years old. And I was spinning signs on the corners of streets, right? <laughs> Six hours every Saturday and Sunday, basically. And to make the time go by faster, I downloaded a bunch of comedy albums. Mm. And I would put them on my MP3 player because they were all an hour long. So it would take up a good chunk of time. And I just got addicted, bro. Started listening to everybody. So I've been listening for a while. And, and even, if, even if you haven't and you just know like about comedy at all, you can feed off of energy. Yeah. And the first two guys that were up there, you could tell energy off. Nervous, shaky, didn't have mm. it, trying to tell jokes. People were giving them sympathy laughs. But like I was there like, eh, this is lame, whatever. You know, I'm there to be taken on a ride like, right, of sorts. Right. And, and so it, it, the difference between those two that were up there early and that were whatever, and the girl that came up right after them, Brittany Schmidt, I mean, you could tell like how much better she was, but it was just more captivating. She had a better control over the entire energy of the room. It's tremendous. And you could like, I remember looking like from like table to table and seeing like there was like up front a mom and a daughter tandem. And you knew that because one of them had called them out, asked them what their relationship was. Uh, And so for the rest of the show, I'm looking at them. I'm like, oh, this is super uncomfortable for you guys. (laughs) This must be really weird to listen to. (laughs) Mother and daughter of La Jolla. (laughs) Do you ever uh, think you could do it? 
To be a stand-up comedian? Um, or do a stand-up set just in general? I think I think I could do it. My like I like the act of it. I think wouldn't be hard for me. I think what would be hard for me would be like being funny for a long time. But do you think so? Like I, I've often thought about this because like me and Pat always are coming up with like funny shit. But like I don't know if we would be the best people for like delivery of jokes. Mm-hmm. And I've right. always said like man, uh, like my brother Zach. I think he'd be he's great. He's funny as fuck. He's weird. He's quirky. And we we've always joked like we would love to just like write a set for you and have you like perform it. Mm. Yeah, um, or for sure. but, or like for you. But like, do you think like if jokes were written, you could tell them funnily and help write them? I was just going to say, like, it would be way, I think it would be way more effective for me to, like, give a presentation or a talk. Yeah. And then, like, have that be humorous, but, like, also, like, not the point, you're not going there to see somebody make you laugh, right? Like, you're you're going there for a different reason. I feel like right. I could be funny in that respect, and that would be a way more effective, like, uh, like product I could deliver live. Yeah. If I had somebody write jokes for me or yeah, it was like involved with somebody else in that creative process wasn't alone. I mean, I could probably do it on my own, but like you would just have to dedicate so much time. It was like, yeah. I don't know if I could, but if somebody, yeah, if, if like there was help and I had like a group of people or even a couple people. Yeah. I think for sure. I think I have absolutely no issue with going up there and like being afraid of what I'm saying or anything. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like for us, we're in sales and it's kind of like, it's, it's not a sales pitch, but like if you have the tools to do a sales pitch, I feel like you have the tools to do the performing aspect to a point of stand up comedy. Not necessarily that your jokes will be funny, but like you have like the social skills, like you're not hopefully scared to like talk to people. And like, I feel like you'd have a lot of assets necessary. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's not like equivalent at all. Like you can't like, it, it's completely two different skill sets, but I remember being, uh, you know, like w- when I first got into sales, I was an outside sales and I'm making like 30 cold calls a week. And it's like the same thing. You're going into a place. You don't know the person. It's even harder. I would think in sales because that person isn't there to see you. Right. You're there to see them and you're trying to get something out of them. Yeah. that Yeah. Um, but, but also it's, I mean, I could see it difficult on the other end too, because like there's the expectation of being, having somebody make you laugh when you go to a comedy show. Right. So like there's that yeah. pressure also it, kind of the same in reverse, but um, yeah, I agree with you. T- like the skill sets, I think definitely overlap a bunch. I'd, I'd love to try it with you sometime, like just sit and, you know, partake in whatever spirits we'd like to partake in and just uh, sit and write some jokes together. I think it'd be interesting to see what, like what I'd come up with, with friends. I, and I've never done it. So maybe we want to come up with shit, but I've always just want to just try it like a writing circle. Yeah, that'd be fun, man. That'd be a blast. I have a, I know a guy, uh, who's, uh, my girlfriend's best friend's boyfriend. Um, and he does improv. Oh man. That's a whole different thing. Yeah. Yeah. A whole different thing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think that's even like, obviously that's even harder, but like, yeah, like I look at him and I'm like, oh dude, I have the most respect for you in the world because like, like not only are you going out there to like possibly just like fall on your ass but like the chances of it happening are like way greater because you don't have anything prepared you're just like on your feet you'd be surprised though actually sarah's mom does it she's in like a, a class uh, she does improv that's like cool. a group yeah and it's, it's <laughs> awesome. i love going to see her performance it's awesome um and and they have like a group and they do you know they do 
I think it's like two sessions a year, basically, where they have like six months and they like perf- they'll do like a couple of performances throughout that and practices during the week. But you'd be surprised. Like that improv shit is hard, but you'd be surprised like how many little like mechanics and like drills they kind of have in their head of like, okay, well, like if you don't know what to say, go to this. Or like if it's if something in this realm's thrown out, here's a good like you'd be surprised how many little things there actually is to improv where it's not as on the it is on the spot obviously but like they're yeah. they know how to to work that where i feel like with stand up it's like i have this material and i got to sell it to this whole room of people right mm, now so i don't yeah. know i don't i don't know yeah. what would be harder but uh, it's interesting i i have a like an idea of like a, a premise for a joke and it's like why would you why so for drip jeans why would you buy a pair of jeans that looks like it's time to buy new jeans <laughs> Like that's the premise of the joke, and then I, it could go on to be like self-deprecating. We're like, I have no fashion sense. I dress like a fucking homeless person, you know, that shops at Savers or something. But like, I've always, I've always wondered that with ripped jeans. Like, why would you buy jeans that are look like it's their time to buy new jeans? It doesn't make any sense. Fashion, <laughs> fashion. It's the fashion. All right, uh, enough about my joke dreams. Let's talk about the world's dreams in the news. Ah, uh, man, it's like we're taking a left turn into. Uh, <laughs> Depressedville. No, no, I shouldn't say that. I don't, don't, you can't tease something like that. Uh, there was, uh, you've been watching any news, man? Like, I feel like I haven't been really paying attention to news a little bit, but not a whole lot. Yeah. Not, not Actually, a ton. I that back. I have, but it's all been the same, man. Like the, the news I listen to and like the, the things that I take in, it's all like COVID Afghanistan, COVID <laughs> Afghanistan. Like, fuck. All right. I get it. I get it. Vaccines, third dose. Yeah. You said something like a week or two ago that I thought was funny, though. It's like when you kind of like take a step back from the news and it's not like me and you being glued to like a news cycle every 20, 48 hours. Like, it's funny how like the things that need to get through actually do get through. Mm-hmm. Like, like, mm-hmm. So, like with Texas, like with what's going on down there with the abortion law, like the big things like that get through all the other little shit just kind of like in, out, in, out, whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And, and you get like it just, it, it inevitably distills down to where like you get the gist of it enough to where you're not like uninformed and you yeah. may not understand the topic painfully like well mm-hmm. but at least you know and I, yeah dude i think that's uh always a good thing and, and it's the same thing that happened here like i mean when i said that we were both kind of gone for a while and then we came back and the same thing here you know we've been we've been gone for a while but but yeah i mean this this supreme court or this uh this abortion law in Texas probably worth touching on a little bit, um, only because it's about as close to an abortion ban as has been passed in like fifty years since Roe v. Wade. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, in, in fifty years, it's 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 as strict uh, of a law as close to an abortion ban as as a state has gotten, and this bill. So before, okay, before I get into the intricacies of it, this bill is a, it's called the Texas Heartbeat Bill, the Texas Heartbeat Act, uh, SB8 in Texas, and it prevents a physician from knowingly performing an abortion if there is a a detectable fetal heartbeat, Um, and that aligns right around uh, six weeks of the pregnancy. What makes this bill very schnicky schnicky is that Texas has deputized their own citizens in enforcing this bill. So basically, Texas is not going to bring to suit 
any physician in Texas that performs an abortion after they know that there's a heartbeat. But what they've done is they said, you, the citizen, if you know about this happening, you have to, or you don't have to, but you will report it and that physician will get sued or you will sue this physician uh, and collect at least $10,000 in the process. And it's very interesting what they're doing because it, they're like putting a legal padding of protection between themselves and federal law so that when this is inevitably challenged, which it was, there was a, um, like a challenge for this bill to be, there's an emergency request. Sorry. I'm like mixing my words here. There was an emergency request, uh, from some group that appealed to the Supreme court and the Supreme court said, we're not going to make a ruling on it. Although they all kind of said it's like a very interesting proposal they have here in terms of constitutionality. So they understand that this is going to be challenged. So they put this little padding of protection saying, well, it's not really us that's doing anything about it. The state isn't necessarily enforcing this bill or this law. It is in fact, the citizens of Texas that are enforcing this law. Um, and I, I don't know what that means. I don't know if anybody knows what that means um, about how this will be looked at when it is finally uh, taken up by the Supreme Court. So it's pretty wild. I, I it saw is pretty wild, man. I saw like with a day or two and this was kind of coming out and, and being talked about in the news a bunch a couple of days back. You, you would put a post up on Instagram, like a poll, kind of just like outlining like what happened and then like asking um, people like what they thought, if not at six weeks, what they constituted as like the beginning of life. And, and I was, I wanted to ask you, I meant to ask you like what kind of responses you got uh, from yeah. that post. So the question that I posed was if not at the presence of a heartbeat, when does life, when do we protect life? Mm -hmm. Because I was seeing a lot of pushback against this bill and rightfully so, right? It's a very strict bill. So that's to be expected. But what was frustrating to me, it was like all this case, these cases against why this shouldn't happen. But, but what I was more interested in is like, okay, well, Texas is trying to answer a question, right? They're trying to say, when does life deserve protection? We think it deserves protection at the presence of a heartbeat. And with that coinciding with the six week of pregnancy, it's a hard sell. You know, there's a lot of things, a lot of variables that, that could go on that are not accounted for by just banning this at six weeks. And, and this bill doesn't even ban or doesn't even have any exemptions for say a pregnancy that occurs because of rape or incest. Right. So it's like incredibly strict, but nobody was giving a better alternative. It was just like, Oh, you don't have the decision to make a decision. You don't have the uh, ability to make a decision on a woman's body, which fine. But also it's, I think to me, at least it's an equally important question of when do we protect life? It, it, I, to me, it can't be all or nothing, although we're trying to legislate it being all or nothing, basically with, with bills on either side. But in this case, obviously on the side of, of pro-life. So I got a lot of different responses to that question, man. Um, yeah. 
literally ranging from always to mm-hmm. when the baby is about to be born. And oh, wow. Everything in between. Yeah. Which like kind of like proved my theory in my head is like, ah, there's no real right answer to this question. You know, like you can't find an answer to that question because of the variable, the variables that can occur. Right. To me, it seems like it's like a big swing. Like it's, it is the beginning of, of what they're trying to put into action. So it's, it's like, okay, we're going to ask for the, it's bargaining. It's, we're going to ask for the moon and compromise. Like I think constitutionally it's like around 24 weeks. Uh, I, I think that's what Roe v. Wade outlined. Is that like you can legally well, get one? It wasn't Roe v. Wade. It was actually uh, let me make sure I'm getting this right. Casey versus okay um, Planned Parenthood. Um, gotcha. Okay. Uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Excuse me. And and basically what it outlined was that um, they, you could have regulations up until fetal viability. Yeah. And the number that was thrown out there was like 24 weeks because that was known as like fetal viability. There have been cases since this 1992 case where a a baby has been viable prior to 24 weeks, but there hasn't been anything really done about that new development. It's still been fetal viability and like rule of thumb kind of deal. Fetal viability is 24 weeks. Yeah. So I think they're going, you know, six weeks, 24 weeks, Maybe we can get it to 12 or 14 or whatever. To me, it's just, it's so weird. So I know Texas and I know the people that live there, but like the whole idea of Texas is like freedom of opportunity to do what the fuck you want. And like, that's why so many people are moving there, especially like migrating from places like California and New York. And like, it's okay when you don't want to wear a mask and you want to do all these other things that are liberties and I don't want to pay these taxes and blah, 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 blah. But like now they're being told by the state women all across the the state are being told by the state what they can and can't do with their body. And and at a point where you might not even know you're pregnant come six weeks. And like, dude, as someone who is, is currently with, uh, you know, my wife being pregnant, like we were looking, like trying to get pregnant. So it's like, yeah, we're, we're testing right at four weeks, right? When you can first tell blah, 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 blah. A lot of people don't know until like six to eight weeks. And, and some don't even get morning sickness until after that. So it's like, if you just had a one night stand or you're out doing whatever, you know, or you're with like a, a committed partner, but like you're not mm-hmm. maybe in that mindset to do that. Like you, it could already be past that point and your entire life just changed without you having any ability to, to intervene or do anything. Like it, it's, it's insane to me that a state like Texas, um, is who, who relies on personal liberties and freedom it, is decides to take a step in now for something like this to go out of their way against personal liberty and freedom. Sure. Uh, and I, I would counter that by saying um, Texas is also a place that believes very heavily in the rule of law. Um, and so if they are attempting to define that a human being deserves rights at the sign of a heartbeat, then it would classify that being as a person. And that person would be extended legal constitutional rights as a person. Right. But then throwing, they're disregarding the person who's actually pregnant's rights at that point. Uh, you, can make, you can make the argument, right? Like that they're, sure, that they're, yeah. that they're doing that. 
They for um, sure are doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But, but I guess what I'm trying to say is like I, I can I can see it from if I'm if I'm trying to see this through the people who are are putting this bill and and running it through the, the legislative process, like legally, if that person has rights, then I'm thinking what they're thinking is that it supersedes any other rights to end that life. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? So, so because they're defining it as a person, then that, that person's right to life supersedes the carrier of that person's unwillingness to carry that life. Which is insane because you're, you're using the, the life that has been alive for one to two, three, you know, six weeks, whatever your soup, their life is superseding someone who has age, you know, 30 years of life or whatever, you know, ahead of them. Like there's right. no, right. Th their life and the future of their life is totally disregarded by this bill just for the sake of, well, it's a heartbeat. Like it seems it's a stretch. It's a big stretch to me. Well, if you were a person that believed that the heartbeat inside of a womb was indeed a life, sure, then you could probably it probably wouldn't be a bridge too far to think that that the right to that person's life, regardless of age, was the same of anybody else's right to life. In that you couldn't terminate that life. Sure, but just because right. someone believes that doesn't mean that should go into law for an entire state and dictate what every single woman in that state would do with their body. What makes this interesting from a, like a federal level, right? Because we're only talking about the state of Texas. Well, last time we spoke about this, it was the state of Missouri. And mm -hmm. they were putting into place um, a 15-week ban. So it would, have, it would have banned abortions after 15 weeks instead of six. So, so what I'm thinking is trying to go on here is that these bills will make their way to the Supreme Court and they will challenge the constitutionality and the legality of Roe v. Wade because sure. Roe v. Wade has a very shaky legal leg to stand on. And I think we had mentioned this before, but the whole premise of Roe v. Wade stemmed back from um, a law that was passed in like the 30s or 40s. And what that law said was that there's a uh, amendment to the Constitution that states, and I believe this is the Ninth Amendment. I could be wrong, but I believe it's the Ninth Amendment. And that amendment states that the Bill of Rights is not finite in that there could be other rights that are not expressly written in the Bill of Rights that could exist and we don't recognize these until after this constitution here, right? So they use that as a way to say that there is a right to marital privacy. Because I guess there is, right? Like the government has no business in your marriage, in your bedroom, right? Like that's Absolutely. not their place. Yeah, no. Fine. So they use that right to marital privacy to then rule on Roe v. Wade. And so... What they would argue is that, well, you just literally made this up out of thin air. There's not any hard constitutional backing to what you're saying. You have interpreted a amendment to the Constitution that we believe is not correct. So they're going to try and challenge that. And if Roe v. Wade were to go away, that would not mean like the end of abortion. What it would mean is that the states now have their 
own freedom to rule on abortion as they see fit. And so that's where I think this whole thing is going. So, so back to your point where you said, you know, you, you don't think that this should be the, 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 the way for a whole people of a state. I would say it's up to the state. Yeah, I was going to say, did they vote on this for this to go through, like for this to happen? No. Um, ah. This was challenged in the, in, in the Supreme Court, and they ruled five to four. Not, it, was like, it was like purely procedural. So they didn't make a ruling on its constitutionality. They didn't make any ruling at all. Like they didn't, everybody was very clear on what they're, they only decided not to strike it down when emergency um, challenge was brought forth to the Supreme Court. And they said, ah, I think their whole reasoning, it gets really complicated, but I think because there was no injury. And when I say injury in terms of like legality, it just means like somebody did something to you, caused harm in any way, and you're suing them for it. But because there wasn't a case like that for this bill, then procedurally the Supreme Court couldn't take it up or something like that. Technicality basically is what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm wondering is like who, so like this, is this something that Texas, like, uh, like governor or mayor, like who, who came up no, with this idea and the, pushed it up state, this far? The state legislator. So like the United States has a legislation uh -huh. where it's, it's the, the um, house of representatives and the Senate and they're lawmakers and they write laws. They bring them to the house of representatives. It gets voted on and then it goes to the Senate and then it goes to the president and then it becomes law. Same process for States. So there's the state house, and then the state Senate, and they all come together, they create laws, they write them up, they vote on them, it goes to the Senate, gets voted on, Governor Abbott signs it, boom, it's law. Now there was a, there was a legal challenge brought forth, that legal challenge went to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court decided gotcha. not to uphold the challenge mm -hmm. because of this whatever technicality and then now it's going to be up to an appeals court to bring it to the the supreme court and then the supreme court will rule on it at some time and it gotcha. probably won't be for a while so that's hmm. why it became a story because when the supreme court decided not to uphold the challenge then the law could go into effect and then it became into effect so you know maybe not everybody's happy about it in texas i'm sure the majority of Houston, Dallas, Austin, Fort Worth, big cities in Texas are not extra thrilled. But at the end of the day, Texas is a super red state. So um, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are also celebrating this as a victory. It just seems like that's something that should be on a ballot that's voted on. Like why would, how, how is something that affects that many people's individual personal liberties and rights? How is that not voted on by the entire state instead well, you of kind of, you kind of did when you voted for these representatives. I mean, representatives. really honestly you did. You I mean, you gave them the power to make laws. Sure. Yeah. But so, I mean, and, not, and I'm not saying like you voted this with the explicit intention that they're going to create a, 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 right. a, a bans abortions at six weeks. But I mean, the, this is what Texas voted on. And um, if they're not happy about it, then they got to vote. They got to vote them out. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on, 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 on what your stance is, um, these things take a lot of time. And that's why it's a big deal right now, because it's taken a lot of time for this. I mean, like we said, 50 years for this sort of legislation to make its way 
into the forefront in the United States with some sort of parameter on abortion. And uh, for whatever it's worth, uh, the United States is like the most liberal of all developed countries when it comes to abortion and the parameters that are set forth for abortion. Um, Europe has like crazy strict laws. In some parts of Europe, you have to actually report your um, abortion to the government. They make you do that when you get an abortion. Hmm. So, I guess to put a bow on it, from my perspective, I think that it's an equally important question to ask about when do we protect life? And I don't think there's any, I don't think there's like a lot of constructive good that comes from like a reaction towards this. That's just like, like, oh, like it's just taking away the rights of all women. Okay. I hear you. I hear you. But that's not what the bill is designed to do. The bill is designed to actually create a standard of protection of life. So I think what you have to say is I don't agree with your standard. And Mm then maybe work towards a happy medium because I, you know, at the end of the day, there's got to, there's got to be parameters around it, I think. And I think that any criticism of abortion the institution of abortion. When I talk about abortion, I never, I'm never talking about like one uh, specific instance of it or anything like that. What I'm talking about is actually the institution of abortion and, and as it stands on a macro level. I think any criticism of that to, in today's age is seen as a direct criticism against a woman's right to choose. And I think that's unfair. And I think that if you look at it from a macro level, we have really allowed this to spiral out of control a little bit. The numbers surrounding abortion are ugly. And, and I think that what Texas is trying to do, although I do believe they missed the mark, um, is set some healthy parameters around it so that we kind of rein in a little bit how liberal we are around this subject, because I do believe that we have gone slightly too far on to one side. Yeah. Now this is coming from someone who personally doesn't like believe in abortion. I would never want my wife or, or whatever. I would never want, I would never support abortion personally, but like, I can't say that my feelings on the subject or on life would dictate what should go into law for anyone. So mm. th- this is coming from that kind of a, a point. Cause like, there's just, there's, I, <laughs> to me, it's, it's like, if they're, the idea of fetal viability makes so much sense to me as like when, and maybe that needs to be reexamined of what that is. But if that can't survive by itself to me, that's not life. That's the potential for life Mm -hmm. for sure. But that's not life. And, and to me, it's like, I don't know how you legislate something without being able to pin, like break away from that. Cause just cause there's a heartbeat doesn't mean it's life. If it can't support its own life. Like it's, that's, that's, that seems pretty clear cut to me. Well, I mean, I guess, but like, if it can't survive, like a full term baby can't support its life either, you know, like I get it like being out of the womb. But to me, I think that's more or less like a arbitrary number. If you don't set that as the thing, then, then your only other thing is saying when the heartbeat starts, which is ridiculous because that infringes on people's rights though. There's not, there isn't a middle between those two, like where you could say, Unless you're just like, fuck it, let's split the difference just to make people happy. But like, other than saying it's either the point at which it can survive by itself or the very first point when it has a heartbeat. And, and doing the first point 
definitely infringes on liberties, and it's liberties of full-grown U.S. citizens, not soon-to-be-developed ones within six months. So, sure, to, to sure. me, to me, the the rights of a citizen who has lived and has paid their taxes and done all these things as an American supersedes the potential for life that they're carrying any day of the week. Right. And, and I, I want to be very crystal clear here. Like my, my argument is not a, a, a around when I think life like starts or when it's like a, like a quote unquote life, like, yeah. I'm pr- like very certain about when life starts because the science that we know up until now can tell us definitively that it starts the very moment it's conceived. My question, and I think the question that is trying to be answered is when does it deserve legal protection? Mm. When does it deserve protection as a person? To the point where it supersedes the protection of the person carrying it. Yeah, 100%. That, uh, yeah, absolutely. Because I think legally speaking at that point, if you're going to extend rights to that person, then you will have legally defined it as a person, right? That's a fringe argument also that pro-life people tried to, to use the 14th amendment that was created more or less, um, surrounding, uh, slavery was put in place to say that all persons born in the U S and then it goes on to like describe what U S citizenship is. They are hung up on that word persons. Mm -hmm. Right. Because when is somebody legally a person? That's what they're trying to, that's, that's an uh, angle that they take. That's true. Until you have a social though, until you have a social security number, you're not a U.S. citizen. So like, why would your rights supersede that of one who does have a social security card and is like a citizen? That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I don't know. That's, that's it's tricky, man. It's tricky. And, and, and at the end of the day, the legality of it, the legal language, that's going to be the deciding factor. It's not going to be, you know, um, how we feel about it or what quote unquote conservative or liberal justices are on the Supreme court. I mean, it's going to be like how good of a legal argument can you make? And a legal argument is definitely not a social argument Two completely different things. So it's, it's almost an impossible thing to answer. Really, truly is. Well, hit me someone else, Papa. What do you got? We have like 10 minutes. Yeah, I have, uh, you know, I always come with the hardest hitting of news. And um, this story came my way, I think like three, four days ago. And I just uh, wanted to bring it to your attention. Um, As many customers of McDonald's know all too well, the fast food chain has struggled for years to keep its ice cream machines working. Without them, people can't get a milkshake, soft serve cone, or above all, the almighty McFlurry. A online tracker called McBroken monitors McDonald's ice cream machine outages across cities so that at any point you can look across our great nation and see where you should avoid if you have the late night craving for ice cream. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I have many, 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 many times. Um, I'm never sure if it is... uh, the result of the employee maybe just being a dick going out of their way to not want to mess with ice cream or if they have already started cleaning the machine for the night because uh, usually when I'm trying to get ice cream at McDonald's, it's like 11 p.m. Uh, I'm never really sure. Or maybe they're, they're just failing. And, and 
it seems that enough buzz has been generated uh, that uh, the United States Federal Trade Commission has now stepped in to try to help solve the problem or expedite an answer. Um, Earlier this summer, the FTC reached out to McDonald's franchisees uh, seeking information on what exactly is going on with the broken ice cream machines across the nation. Uh, this is according to a, late, a letter that was sent by the FTC and was viewed by the Wall Street Journal. So pretty reliable source here. Uh, this is not like a, a BuzzFeed story or something weird like that. Um, these shiny metal machines crank out uh, con- concoctions between the, you know the you know items I just listed, uh, but that accounts for about sixty percent of the chain's dessert sales. The other ones obviously are those delicious fruit pies, uh, which never really seem to be out. So the pie machine is always working. So good for them, uh, whoever designed those. Repeated breakdowns have led customers to draw petitions demanding that something be done about these ice cream machines. Uh, Owners of McDonald's outlets have long complained that the devices are overly complicated and their breakdowns are hard to fix with error messages that are hard to read or translate. Um, The machines themselves require a nightly automated heat cleaning cycle uh, to get rid of like bacteria and all, you know, all the kind of gross stuff that can accumulate there. Um, This can last up to four hours to fully destroy the bacteria. So that is uh, where a lot of the idea of like, you know, if McDonald's closes at 2 a.m., they're shutting their ice cream down at 10 to make sure that they can do this and get the hell out of there too. Um, The cleaning cycle can also fail, which makes the machines uh, unsuitable until a repair technician can get them going again, which can put them out of commission for a few days. So uh, the franchisees, like owners, seem to also be pretty frustrated with this. Um now it seems the Biden administration is scrutinizing a range of products from phones to tractors on whether manufacturers impede owners from fixing the products themselves, uh, mm, like by making them okay. too hard, like by an Apple soldering their circuit boards to their computers so that you can't go in and make your own cho- changes. Or even Apple got busted again for having uh, batteries over time and with updates uh, basically start to go bad so that you have to upgrade or you want to upgrade your phone because it started to slow down or anything like that. Um, so the, the Biden administration is, is, is stepping in, which actually that's kind of cool because I don't think companies should be able to like bamboozle you with a product like that where they know like, okay, well we can do this and then we can also start, you know, a maintenance company or like a warranty company to go in then and, and charge the franchisees to fix their ice cream machines. You know, like there, there could be some tomfoolery about uh, as a result. So it's, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of a cool thing to step in on. Okay. That makes more sense. So, so they're not like, Hey, McDonald's, why isn't your machine working? It's like, Hey, why is it so ridiculously complicated to clean these machines and make them work? And like, what is going on here is so yeah, you guys getting taken. So like the headline is, is based off ice cream, but the broad, like the body of, of what the FTC is getting involved in is they want to know how McDonald's reviews suppliers and equipment, including the ice cream machines and how often restaurant owners are allowed to work on their own machines, you know, or are required once outside of warranty, whatnot to call in certain repairmen. And like, obviously McDonald's has contracts with these larger companies, like the, the manufacturers of the ice cream machines, to hire their, their, from the article I was reading, they have to hire certain repairmen that are like registered 
uh, technicians for that brand or whatnot. Mm. So th- th- that's that's the meat and potatoes of what it is. But <laughs> yeah, because that's I mean, come on, that's so wacky for freaking ice cream, dude. Yeah, Why right. is ice cream that complicated to make and serve? Yeah. If you, I mean, no, come on, you got it. You have a beef supply chain down to where you can get ground beef to millions of locations yeah. in the United States, and you can't make ice cream. Yeah, it doesn't add up. And what's weird, and I don't know how long this problem's been going on, but it feels like my whole life. Mm-hmm. It does. If it does. And I, I don't frequent McFlurries. It's been going on as long as I've been smoking weed. <laughs> I'll say that much. My whole life. No. <laughs> um, for sure, dude. I remember going and getting a McFlurry once and, and being like, wow, I got a McFlurry today. That's awesome. And uh, I remember once being a kid asking my mom for a McFlurry and she came home and she was like, sorry, didn't work. No, oh, I was so man. mad. She had a coupon for a free one. Dude, McDonald's needs, they had it for a limited time, one time, and it was the best, dude. They had the Rolo McFlurries. They need to bring it back. I'm pushing hard. The FTC Rolo. needs to help me out. <laughs> we need to bring it back, bro, because it was the best. I mean, the caramel got a little hard in the ice cream, but I don't give a fuck. It was the best McFlurry. And now you can only get, it's like only Oreo and M&M, which I'm not complaining. It's still, they're still great, but. Big Rolo guy. Yeah, love Rolos, man. Oh, my yeah. God. A lot <sighs> of people like to, uh talk shit on the Rolos and uh, I don't appreciate it. <laughs> like, you know what it is. They're, like, and that's their only complaint. So it's too chewy. Is your caramel? Well, you know what's in it. Yeah. How do you feel about uh, sugar babies? What are those? Oh, you know what? So sugar babies are like just a little I, I've like heard of them, but I don't jelly bean sized candies that are just like caramel. They're like caramel jelly beans. Oh no. I don't think I've ever had oh. those. <laughs> that's like, they're just caramel though. Just caramel. That's all you need. I'm I'm there. I'm eating a Rolo for the caramel, not for the chocolate, my friend. Yeah, but you, like that's the whole point. <laughs> the both of the thing. The both of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you ever have the salted caramel chews from Costco? No, wait, like the dark chocolate ones? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Jar. Oh yeah. Dangerous. Oh, they're so dangerous. Yeah, caramel is my those. vice, man. I don't really fuck with chocolate, but caramel will always wrangle me in. You don't fuck with chocolate. You ever made your own caramel? I have. Yeah, it's actually surprisingly easy. Yeah, it's cream and butter and sugar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it kind of surprised me. But I, I, I'm i not a chocolate guy. No, like I, we talked about this in our group chat the other day. I, I'll i take any ice cream that's not chocolate-based. I just don't like chocolate. I love fudge, mm. and I feel like fudge is a different yeah, thing. <laughs> um, it's, it's different, though. But chocolate it, on its own is different than, like, chocolate-flavored things. Like, chocolate chocolate itself... It's the best. Like just straight up Hershey's? I buy chocolate chips just to snack on them. Really? That's a fact. My Ask wife Chris. does that. He knows about the snacking chips. I've told her it's like a serial killer tendency. To eat chocolate chips? Just by themselves? No cookie? What do you mean? It's just chocolate in a in a fun little form. Just eat a Hershey's bar. What if you don't have a Hershey's bar? <laughs> <laughs> You know You're right. No, I know. I feel you. I feel it's you. A handful of chips. Do you eat like raw oats also? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I one time made, tried to make oatmeal cookies with mm. rolled oats. Instead yeah. Of oh, instead of, yeah. Cut oats. And yeah. It was awful. It was just, yeah. like, just powdery, chalky. Yeah. Very terrible. 
Have you cooked lately? I know you're. Me and you are both. Dude, I haven't chefs. cooked in a solid like two months. I've been. I haven't had my own spot. Oh yeah, true. I can't wait. It's my. F- I can't wait to start cooking, dude. You got a good kitchen. I have my kitchen back. <sighs> yeah. You have a nice one now. Yeah. It's fine. It's not the best. Honestly, my old kitchen was better, but mm. I don't need much, dude. When I was living in a studio in North Park, when I first got back to San Diego, dude, I was whipping up gourmet meals on a countertop uh, induction. Oh, nice. Nice. Dude, Fuck yeah. That's all I needed. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I got plenty of kitchen Yeah, to be dangerous. I haven't cooked a lot, man. We've been kind of just doing... Our own thing, like she'll have a lot of like pregnancy cravings where it's like, I want this specific thing. And it's like, okay, well, like, I'll make it for you. But like, I, I don't want that. So I'm just going to make like a turkey burger or whatever the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I have not been chefing it up like I was. I was making salmon and pasta mm. dishes and all kinds of stuff earlier, I like four wait, or five months bro. ago. I can't <laughs> wait to be doing all that again. It's fun. It's, it's my therapy. It is, dude. It's super therapeutic. And it's like science. Mm-hmm. Science. It's great. It's art too. It's just all great things into one and you get to consume it, which is even better. And take pictures in the correct lighting and post on Instagram. You betcha. Um, speaking of consuming, just go and tell us what kind of coffee we should be consuming there, Alex. And that's called a segue, everybody. Drinking a good smooth cup of coffee is a treat all by itself, but when it helps American heroes like veterans and first responders, it is that much better. Our sponsor, Gun Barrel Coffee, is proud to donate $1 from every item purchased to veterans and first responder charities all across our great country. From their medium blend, the Moab, their Double Dark Battleship Roast, their CBD-infused blend, the Medic, all their coffees are smooth without the acid or bitterness you find in so many other brews. And now they even have their very own hot sauce called the Big Guns. They offer 14 different blends and roasts, which you can get in whole bean, ground, or single-serve pods. And right now, as a friend of our ship, you can use the promo code FNH10 to save 10% at checkout when you buy their products at gunbarrelcoffee.com. That is promo code FNH10. Gunbarrel Coffee. Damn good coffee. Damn good cause. Damn good plug. Thank you. We're working on the voice. There's like a voice to it, I feel like. There is a voice to it. You nailed it. Um, <laughs> Where can the people find our shit, Frank? Uh, all sorts of places you can find us on Instagram. Nah, no, nah, it's been a while, man. I'm getting rusty. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at FriendshipNH. You can find us on Instagram at Friendship News Hour. You can also find us on TikTok at Friendship News Hour. And you can email us at bummerdude.media at gmail.com. That's bummerdude.media at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time. Happy birthday, mom.